Marco Polo wrote, During the time of Genghis Khan, nobles would act as servants, having both their mouths and nostrils covered. In order that their breath nor their odor enters neither food nor into the beverage of the great lord. Welcome to Three Halves Focused, I think. It's an it's, it's absolutely normal set of hosts. My name is Rasmus. <laughs> My name is Red. And uh, I'm, I'm not Jan. I'm Jamie. Hey, Jamie. It's, it's a J in there. It's fine. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> yeah. The wizard is with us tonight. Afraid so. Yeah. Jan is uh, being an utter bastard and having a vacation in wonderful places and having a good time. Yeah. And because of that, we hate him and we got a replacement. <laughs> Well-deserved vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, by all means, he has been suffering through the corporate world for way too long and he deserves a break. Yeah, so. It certainly seemed like that. But Jamie, give the good listeners out there, like the three and a half that doesn't know you, a quick introduction, if you would. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Jamie. I go by the Custom Cave uh, on most of the internet. Um, kind of the behind the scenes, you know, forever the roadie, as I, I've put it to uh, to Mr. House. But um, I tend to just kind of fettle in the background and fix things and make things and answer questions and kind of bit of general wizardry as, as people seem to be uh, noticing yeah fixing stuff yeah. in the background for everyone would be a better way to put it me included because sort yeah. Of, yeah yeah i mean whenever there's like bits bytes or electronics involved i'm the one or i'm always asking you and you always seem to either know the answer right off the bat or you just go Give, give me a second and usually it takes no more than a second for you to find the answer uh, yeah I, I i did work out recently that i'm particularly good at making connections between things so whether it's um and people yeah well it, that's exactly it so cataloging in my head who who knows roughly what so that if someone needs an answer to a question and i don't have it automatically i know who to speak to to put people in touch with people or systems in touch with each other or things like that i mean professionally i, I do it and cad so the, the kind of two things that are generally speaking two separate careers but i've kind of mushed them together that works for me but it just means that it's it's kind of useful for multiple things i suppose yeah you are you are selling yourself short here because you've you i believe that if i remember correctly uh you've been doing that for a very long time you created your own business at a young age and you've been pretty yeah. gifted uh and and you worked also very hard to to be able to do everything that you are doing right now right? yeah I've, i've basically ran two separate independent careers at the same time for the last 20 years Which in itself is just <laughs> mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. It's, I mean, it's, it's what you do, isn't it? You know, if you if you have a passion for something, I, I I liked technical drawing and CAD kind of fits, like how my brain worked. Um, and then same for IT. You know, I was using computers to do CAD. I generally kind of like fixing stuff when it breaks. So. I'll get into that. I, mean, I got into the IT business into doing forensics and things originally. Um, forensics? IT forensics, data recovery Ooh. and oh, yeah, um, right. things like that um, through doing bits of like artwork and learning about various bits and bobs on computers and then 
accidentally reformatting the wrong partition and then <laughs> spent several weeks crash course trying to learn as much as as I could about hard drive recoveries and data recovery specialism and stuff like that. So I did a lot of, of that at sort of age 15, 16 yeah. kind of time. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've also done that by accident, but at least now over the last like five, eight years, the tools for doing recovery has gone a lot better. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I, I seem to recall having one incident like that by accidentally deleting one hard drive that I shouldn't have deleted. Yeah. And then realizing that, oh, well, uh, at the age of 12 or 14 or something, I'd be like, no, there's nothing I can do to fix this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. And that, that was sort of my options at the time were, you know, do I write off three years worth of work that was stored on that partition or do I try and figure out if it's possible to recover it and then finding out that it is or it should be, then how to do it. Mm. So, yeah, kind of the weird back way of getting into that kind of thing you're also sort of forgetting to mention the, the the small waffling thing you do on sundays now yeah yeah well it's actually you know briefly mentioned at the start about podcast but yeah um myself and andy Pugh, who's the other person who's everywhere on the internet um <laughs> yep, the two of us have just kind of secreted ourselves into into just about every place on the internet but um yeah, Andy and I uh, do Maker's Waffle, which is, goes live on a Sunday night um, and has obviously featured you both independently. Um, mm. So we're going we're gonna to have to get Jan on and then at some point one of our specials will be a uh, probably a three-fifths focused kind of episode, I think. <laughs> Absolute mayhem. That's, yeah, I think that's what's going to be. Uh, yeah, complete carnage, mess. I suspect, yeah. <laughs> so how, how about what you've been working on then? Red, I see you drinking. Yeah, uh, I've done nothing more than nothing? last week. Absolutely same Oops. thing that than than last week. Uh, small repairs on the car uh, in order to pass the test uh, or the examination of the car to not tomorrow but the day after. Uh, hopefully, it will be all right. A um, lot of video editing, a lot of um, drawing pattern on Illustrator because I will be at my local makers not maker fair maker space tomorrow uh, in order to uh, try and set up a class a leather working class so as they have a very powerful um, laser cutter uh, we want to try with the guy in charge of the laser working classes we want to try the my patterns to see if they work well and how uh, fast we can cut them for the all the people that will be attending the classes um so it's a it's a prep um afternoon tomorrow in order to be able to give laser working classes uh using technology uh computers mm. laser cutters laser engraver uh starting next year january if everything goes well so yeah it's That's been cool. been a lot of this um pattern making uh, for the most part of my week um, and that's about it because it's it, it, it's fun uh, but it's also very time consuming so uh, in order to get everything right with to the millimeter because it's it's not a exact science laser working is not an exact science but if you want a pattern to work well uh, on the first try uh, you have to yeah take your time and be very precise so um so yeah, I'm just going to put it out there, but 
you could do it in Fusion 360 and export <laughs> the flat patterns then. Yeah, that that's right. I, I learned to do that with you at some point in the past. And <laughs> yeah, I, I'm nearly a year and a half ago, wasn't I, it? Yeah, yeah uh, not sure I can remember doing that. Because the, 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 the thing is um, that I, I, I used Illustrator a lot more um, than, than any other uh, software. It, it's mm -hmm. my go-to for anything now because I just took the time to learn it for one or two years and, and now uh, it, it's uh, not super easy but it's way quicker than anything else for me to the point that the kid wanted to learn it um, uh, two hours ago when he uh, saw me um, drawing patterns so uh, I gave him a crash course uh, 30 minutes of how to draw a mask and stuff and it was great uh, anyway so cool. now I can use it pretty easily and quickly um, Fusion is super interesting uh, when it comes to 3D modeling but I can't wrap my head around the you model something in 3D and then you get a flat pattern of it and, and it's working. Um, it, it would make totally sense for me for plastic or for metal work. But when it comes to leather, um, knowing that you can you can um, shape leather when it's wet uh, by hand or around the mold uh, or whatever, um, mm -hmm. it makes more sense for me to... to in um, integrate that the, um, this aspect of the process uh, when I'm thinking about the piece that I'm going going to make. So it's just way the way my weird brain works. So, but yeah, good point. I could do that in fusion. Your human brain, I think. Is the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? I, I, oh, sorry, Raz, you had. No, I, I was just going to say I, I've also been using fusion a lot. Yeah. Since Jamie taught it to us yeah. at a, the schools of fools or something. Yeah. I can only apologize. Uh, no, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't apologize to me, apologize to the world because <laughs> I have superpowers now. Uh, I, w I was I'd super sad when it was over, or kind of over. I, w I would love to do that more regularly, but it, it's so much work to give a class. Uh, so don't, mm. don't worry about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to blame you for stopping the <laughs> class. I, I will, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally expect that from us. <laughs> no, no, it was great. I mean, there's always, you know, I, I'm always on hand for um, those sort of questions of, uh, you know, I mean, you know yourself, you know, like Jamie, I'm trying to draw this. How do I draw this in Fusion? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah we've had quite a few of those conversations. Exactly. Yeah. I, I did that exactly two days ago with Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, I'm stuck. I have a problem. Please help me. And he did this thing. And, and, yeah. and yeah, it fixed it. So, yeah. It kind of happens. Yeah. But Jamie, what what's, what's, what have you been working on the last week uh, or so? A little bit of, uh, a little bit of all sorts, really. A, a bit of kind of um, odd jobs around the house and things like that. I, I decided to fit a uh, smart thermostat in the house so i decided to learn about my heating system and how it was put together and how it works and things like that and then figure out how to do a smart thermostat so i've been i've been doing that um last week okay, okay. Is, just quick question is that a gas powered heating system for the house Where's yeah the we have um we've got a, a a central heating boiler that heats the hot water and then the the radiators so ah. it was to it's to put a controller um on that to replace the, the existing timer to then fire them up 
uh, as and when needed, and it'll do geofencing and things like that. So when I, when I leave the house, it turn the heating off because my phone's left and you know, that kind of thing. Is that evil, considering the rest of your family? Or have you synced them up as well? Oh, no, they, they'll all be synced up as well. Oh, okay. So it's not they like, will. okay, not I'm yet. out. You guys going to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm much. the only one in control and with the, the, the permit to touch the thermostat. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they can go and prod the wall and set the temperature and things, but I can then override it as well. Oh, <laughs> so you have the final call on the temperature of the house. Yeah, I mean... I think rightly so for, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the big hairy thing should be able to make it not as hot as other people want it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Raz? What did you do this week? I, I, I've been, again, still rushing and stressing with getting the last orders out. Uh-huh. And I, I'm nearly finishing a set of three kitchen knives. And nice. I utterly fucked up two other kitchen knives, oh. chef's knives. That's why you make multiples. Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, except, like, the, I, I had too little starting stock. I was supposed to have, like, 40 by 5 mil, uh, 1095, and I had uh, 40 by 3 mil. So it's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Or 30 by 4 mil. So it's like... You did say it was going to be a challenge, though. Yes. Less, and I get, less to grind. So that's the tricky bit. Like if you <laughs> like forge it little enough, you can just grind it straight. Yep. Uh, the problem when it gets thinner and thinner is that it's way more susceptible to warping mm-hmm. in, in, in during the hardening and quench. Uh, and of course, it did. Um, I mean, that's why I also put I post on Instagram and I put up like some bits of angle iron in the vise, so I can just after quenching just look at it and then run over to the vise and clamp it and get the spine straight. Mm. Problem is, because the whole knife is forged to quite a big taper, really tapering down to the edge, uh, the, the edge still wants to go all kinds of curly, yeah. mm-hmm. which is less than ideal for a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the cut that you want to make. If you want to make a wavy cut, perfect. Yeah, yeah by all means, uh, like fancy sushi knife or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wavy slices uh, of cheese. For example, I mean... Everyone needs that in their life, I think. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, but no, like it's 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 a it's the old mantra of like a good knife maker never fails at making a knife. He just makes a smaller knife. Yep. <laughs> so I'll I'll repurpose them. I just have to tell the client that hey, I I fucked up, uh, and then I continue to struggle and fucking up things things today because I was supposed to be making a draw knife like twenty five centimeters wide edge. And the steel just didn't want to forge weld at all. Because of, you, you know why? Was it too cold in the shop? Was it not, um, the temperature of the forge was not hot enough? Uh, steel? I have, I've, uh, so I have one theory, but like basically it is, I didn't get the heat enough. Okay. <laughs> but with the flux I'm using, it's uh, hydroscopic. So if I leave the tin open, it will suck in moisture from the air. Yeah. Close, and because yeah. the shop is uh, not insulated and you basically have a draft going straight through the wall, mm-hmm. nearly straight through the window itself, uh, like there's a lot of moisture in there. I've walked into the shop and just seen a puddle of water laying on the anvil because it was Ooh. so foggy outside. <laughs> yeah, less than yeah. ideal conditions yeah. uh, to be forging in. Um, and like I, I started straight, tried to do the forge while cranking up the heat and giving it time to soak up in the forge and all of that. And then my anvil was cold, so it could just be that it 
just cold enough. But I'm blaming it on the flux that uh, I separate always out like a couple of teaspoons at a time to a small jar. Mm-hmm. And of course, that jar half the time is left open while I'm working because I need dribbles all the time. So I'm guessing I just need to start the new tomorrow with a fresh glass. And hopefully that should work because nothing else really has changed except for possibly that thing. I suppose if it's uh, only a small amount of the flux um, that you're struggling with, it's not it's not too bad if you've got to just replace that chunk. But it is the entire lump, you know, if you've got a, a huge amount, you, oh yeah, you yeah. might be able to um, warm it up enough to get some of that humidity out. So that's what we do with like 3D printing and things to, to yeah. dry out the filaments. Uh, yes, but I don't know how this relates to the chemical properties of this flux. If the moisture also activates and changes some things. Mm, true, so in yeah. theory, it should just be able to vaporize the water out of the mixture again. But I don't actually know. That's also why like, I keep quite diligently the, the big bottle sealed all the time. Mm. And then there's the small one that I use and tip from uh, sort of on the regular. But I'll try again tomorrow. If, if it doesn't work, I'll have to tell another client that I fucked up. And I haven't had to do that in nearly all of this year. So, I mean, uh, better late than never, I guess, or something. <laughs> Win some, you lose some. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's the phrase I'm going for. That's the one. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's just getting the last bit of orders out. Um, just after we finish talking here, I need to send out the last marketing email. I started a lot of Facebook um, marketing things yesterday. And I got a small amount of orders in from that already. So, yeah, I mean, I already am late on everything and already have too much to do. So packaging up like a dozen extra orders, of course, that doesn't take any more time than what I already am spending or something. I'm not sure how time works. Sorry, don't worry. It'll nearly be 2021 soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there's there's also been this whole thing of sort of things that I'm like the, the whole 3D printing thing mm-hmm. or 3D modeling thing printing also but I haven't gotten that far yet it's sort of in the long list of things like oh this is really really handy and good to know from an early stage but then it takes like a pandemic for me to sit down long enough in one place and Jamie being kind enough to actually teach a lot of us like the basics of it and then, of course, you just kick it out and let us free into the world and see what happens. Just <laughs> sitting on your porch, giggling with popcorn and watching the mayhem at fall. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I guess that's sort of where I want to go with this is, have, have you had a lot of those experiences of, like, you, either things you, when you learn it, you realize, I should have learned it a long, this a long time ago. Absolutely. Or more into the way of, I want to... To learn this for a long while but i never had a, an excuse to do it or it's just been postponed or well i mean that that's that's actually been this whole uh sort of endeavor with the the heating system and things i've, I've been living in this house for um nearly 11 years now and uh i suppose for full disclosure I, we rent from my in-laws who live next door um so doesn't sound like a bad deal it, it works great for me so it means that uh, when there's been issues with the heating in the past, I just knock next door and my father-in-law comes around and repairs what needs repairing. So I've sort of, you know, had a look over his shoulder over the years as and when things have gone and stuff like that. But then um, there's a, like a radiator valve that needs replacing. 
so I thought I'd, I'd sort of take that as an opportunity to learn a bit about the heating, do a little bit of plumbing, and because it's it's something that I've been meaning to do for years, and knock around to doing. So it's kind of the you know, get the, get the thermostat in, and then I've ordered some bits today to do uh, so I can like drain all the heating system and do all that kind of stuff. And it's it's all relatively simple stuff. You know, it's like I, I I do drawings for this for work professionally, but to actually have the bits of copper in your hand and go, ah, shit, this is, there's water coming out of this. You know, it's, it's, that's uh, something to different. Be fair, to be fair, though, you, you, you work on a slightly bigger scale than a single apartment, single house. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, multi-stories, multi-building, complexes. Yeah. Yeah, slightly Industrial scale. scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a tiny bit bigger. Like a gauge or two up in size. Hmm. Order of sorry. magnitude or but, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but please go on though. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, it, it, that's that's kind of um, it's quite a, a regular occurrence for me. I think because I, I sort of I like learning things anyway, and it's always that kind of daunting task. You think, oh, you know, I, when you see someone doing something well, you think, oh, you know, it, it's ten years of life to to learn that skill or something like that, and then you, you start learning it. It's not as daunting as it seems, you know. Quite often, I suppose for transferring skills around as well, it's uh, it kind of gives you a slightly higher entry point on the on that, that Dunning Kruger curve, I suppose. You mean you you immediately climb up to the mountain of ignorance? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a step or three higher than you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And then realize after a couple of seconds you fall into the is it called the valley of despair or something, something when you like that, realize yeah. you suddenly learn enough to know that you don't know anything. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I regularly find myself there as well. Yeah, me me too. Uh, more often than I'd like to admit when it comes to the 3D thing, when it's go oh like like let me just do all of these things I know, and then I go, but now I need to change one tiny thing, and uh, everything just falls apart because I stacked it wrong or something. Well, that's something that I, I've seen obviously from as we mentioned before with doing the schools for fools back in March last year. Um, everyone who learned fusion with me is kind of they they've all got their own backgrounds and they've all used other bits of software before that have their own quirks or things like that. So people who are, you know, kind of used to using stuff like Illustrator, they will approach something with a similar kind of mindset as if they were doing it in Illustrator. And then other people who are more used to Photoshop or Paint or things like that will approach it in a different way entirely again, or people who've got a video editing background or have used SketchUp before or things like that, that, they they approach the task with what they know. So when you go into something like Fusion 360 or, or SolidWorks or AutoCAD or any of these, that there are multiple ways of doing something. Especially when you when you've got like a class of people who are who are all trying to get to the same endpoint, but using their own ways of doing it. Sometimes you can you know you could have someone plugging away at it for you know half an hour or something. So like you know, have you got it there? Are you are you at the point that you want to be at? Go, yeah, yeah. So I've done this. 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 I've gone this way. I've done this. 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 And this. Yeah, all right. Cool. If you just click this button, it would have done it for you. <laughs> yeah, and it's that kind of. It's like, oh yeah. If I'd have known that, then I'd have done this instead. That's <laughs> so that, that's, quite that's a called thing. learning the hard way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's it's still very useful to because you don't uh, you won't forget it once it's learned the hard way. Then then if at the very beginning you say oh you can push that button it will do everything for you. Next week, one month later, or the year after, the they will forget about what button to push as I did. So <laughs> learning learning the hard way is, is sometimes really good for that because mm. it's it's now. Uh, graved, engraved in your in your memory, and and, and it becomes um, a skill, a real one. Absolutely, yeah. Th those lessons that take longer to learn seem to bury themselves in a bit deeper. I think mm. it's all about. I, gu I guess it's all about uh, building the neural pathways and muscle memory, and Absolutely, sort of yeah. by repetition, sort of ingraining it into your brain. Uh, and and I guess there's a good reason for a lot of these craft uh, or trades that you learn where you start off at the not only at the bottom of the, of the ladder but you also start off by in blacksmithing the tradition was that you would start just by pumping the bellows or mm. sweeping the floor or maybe starting just to spend a year just filing things absolutely before yeah. you're even allowed to pick up a hammer and even then you're not doing anything by yourself you're just being a striker and hitting where the master is pointing well, it's kind of familiarity with the, the subject master. matter, isn't it? it? It's that kind of learning by osmosis, learning, yeah. you know, the, the the visual learning to see someone else doing it, to see someone else making a mistake and then correcting that mistake. And because I mean, you know yourself that a lot of professional trades aren't about getting something perfect; it's about recovering from the inevitable cock-ups that we all make. You know, like you say with the knives, you you, you don't you don't stop failing at knives you just learn to correct them or make smaller ones yeah you know, it's the same like the filet th knife i uh like the filet knife i made um and uh, one of the filet knives i was making because when i was go heading over to uh, dr Malti's uh, wedding i of course forged doubles of everything <laughs> so i could also both pick the best one and if i cocked something up which i did on the filet knife because i thought oh this is really thin i wonder how far i can bend it <laughs> i remember that yeah uh, and now I reground it, so now I have a really tiny knife. It works as a knife. It's just way shorter than the fillet knife is supposed to be, yeah. and it's a bit thinner than a normal knife should be. But it, it's, it's a knife. knife. It'll do its job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eventually, you'll end up with a scalpel, and you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do you want to go further in that that topic, Raz? Is there something that you um, feel the same way about? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, been a couple of revelations for me in that sense Okay. Uh, over the last year, just sort of really digging in and deciding that, okay, the next big step for me personally and for the business is to buy a property, pr preferably a small farm to live at. Mm -hmm. And then going to the whole process of talking to the banks and actually having it explained like, well, okay, but so how does getting a mortgage work and what do you look for and like, being a really small business mm. and by definition living beneath the poverty line in Norway for the past eight years it's like well okay so I know that's not a good look to be earning so little as I have but like where is actually the limit going and they tell me like okay so we this specific bank said that anything less than 25,000 a year wouldn't be acceptable because 25,000 is sort of the minimum needed to live in Norway. Mm -hmm. And of course, I've been earning a lot less than that for the past couple of years. Uh, I think this year I'm getting a fair bit higher. Uh, 
but it's like okay so that that's a good benchmark to 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 have and then it's also this whole thing of okay so but how do i actually not only save money and structure all of my income and sort of figure out how to pay not only pay myself from the business in a sensible way but how do i diversify that income so that i'm actually mm. saving money in a sensible way having a savings account that's sensible and getting into and actually investing it because uh the, 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 and the problem there was that when i grew up like no you just put it in your bank that's all of us told and interest will accumulate and you will get more money out of it yeah and then you learn things like yes but the stock market like in general has increased more in value over the same years than you will ever earn by interest mm-hmm. so by leaving the money in your bank you are year by year effectively losing money just compared to putting it in a fund yeah absolutely it doesn't even need to be a really big fund or like a really expensive fund it just needs to be like a common basis one because it just then it just follows the market on all the ups and downs in in theory at least and when like the interest has been a couple percent and the stock market is going by five percent or something each year that's an accumulative big difference yeah absolutely and then yeah. just realizing that and going fucking hell I've not only have I been really stupid about money because my sort of blend of autism just means that no no money in the bank account is the same as having a high score in the game it's cool to have a lot but it doesn't mean anything <laughs> it's just numbers <laughs> yeah exactly and then realizing well okay so i need to care about this because my dream now severely involves criteria involving a lot of money yeah. so like other people are deciding for me that this is important so i should care about it but even though for me it's still like just numbers have you been told as i've been told when i was younger that stock market is so dangerous that you will lose all your money all the money that you invest in because that, no. that's one of, of the reasons that i'm i'm not interested in it because of the fear of losing it all because mm. that's what i've been told here by my parents my family or the country like it's a really risky business if you don't work for it like every day read the newspaper and survey the market and and everything you will effectively lose all your money so it's it's a like a full-time job to just make more money out of it so that that uh, be, being taught that at a quite young age um i'm like i was like nah that's that's not for me because i have stuff to do <laughs> i don't want to spend mm. my days watching um numbers go up and down just to 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 make a few bucks uh, every day which in the end at the end of the month would could make a lot of money but not something i've i've been very interested in but you're right that, compared to your situation that, um that, that i you know as one of those things in the last sort of 12 months or so mm. um a group of us um sort of friends from whatsapp and things we did exactly that there, there were we realized there were a few of us who, you know, kind of had heard about this, this stock market thing and heard it was really dangerous and you'd, you'd lose everything or you, you know, become a multimillionaire overnight sort of thing. Mm. Um, and we were all, you know, vaguely risk averse, but thought it might be something we should learn about. So a couple of the lads had, um, had kind of dabbled a little bit or had already started that path about learning it. So we banded together. So we've got a little WhatsApp group with 10 guys in it or something um, to try and kind of collectively learn a little bit about the stock market and about investing and then about trading cryptocurrencies and things like that to kind of um, just see what it's all about, you know. Um, 
and it, it really is so uh, dependent on other people. You know, something like um, doing a bit of research into a company and think that's that's fantastic. That's you know that might that might go up by two percent over the year, and then you put some money into it, and it's either something completely unrelated happens and the ass falls out of that market. You you know you lose ten percent on it or thirty yeah. percent on your investment or something, um, or something completely unrelated happens and it explodes. You know, you look at things like um, the pandemic, for instance. Yeah. Uh, if twelve months ago I'd have invested some money into something like Just Eat, which is the the company that Steve used to work for, they mm. you know they're a delivery company for food uh, in the UK. Mm. So you, uh, you can go onto the app, you can order from a local takeaway, and then it will be delivered. Um, they they exploded a thousand percent. Oh, would have been January twenty twenty. And literally, you know, putting a hundred bucks in, you'd have been coming back with a thousand, which is yeah. just like oh, that's insane in the space of a, a couple of days. You know, it, it was it was mm. unreal. Um, but again, you know, uh, the other way on that, there there are others that have gone completely down in the in the other directions. You know, you put a hundred dollars in, and you end up with you know two sat there, things like that. Yeah, so, I mean, like just compared to just eat to mcdonald's or something like nobody went out for mcdonald's anymore yeah exactly like if you actually compare the big chains and i don't recall if mcdonald's is on the open market but like someone who will do home delivery will of course do better in a world where everyone is staying at home and can't go out while all of the eating out places will suffer because no one is eating out and mm. can't go out to eat it's a really interesting one that because um Again, there's a company called Deliveroo that do that, and you can be a driver for them, and you would go to McDonald's, pick up someone's order, and then go and take it to their right, house. Yeah. So then, you know, there's kind of this point where um, people stop going into the restaurants, so their their, you know, their stock price plummets. But then someone else comes in and kind of sweeps up that market of, you know, drives their business back up again. But then a lot of the a lot of the funds shift to that to you know to their stock price. Mm. Mm. But yeah, it, it's 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 a branch of witchcraft that I'm not familiar enough with yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, me me neither. Mm. Sort of the only thing that I learned, I feel like I've learned so far, is that uh, at least as far as you're looking at real goods and actual services rendered, and not doing just only looking at people doing business to business in uh, sort of in an IT world. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with something physical somewhere in the line, it very closely mimics the real world in the sense that, yes, when everyone is staying at home, all the services that you use at home will probably be used more. That means that they will probably have more customers, more users, and then making more money. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, whereas the opposite is reverse, where everything that requires people going out and about, that will lose money because there's less people doing those things. Yeah. So just realizing that, okay, so in that world everything makes sense and like uh all, all every single airplane company have been the stocks have been falling a lot during the pandemic mm-hmm. like of course as soon as the world started to open up again all of them started to rise again and then everything shut down and now again with the omicron and we're still looking at shit so it's the it's the connections between those that then 
become really difficult because there's you know mm. byproducts of aviation fuel go into yeah. other things. So if a company which normally produces aviation fuel and as a byproduct produces a load of other things that get sold on, um, if they suddenly decide that they, you know, because airplanes are grounded, so they don't need as much fuel, so their production run reduces, that means that then the cost of all these other services, goods and services go up because now it's a, you know, it's a special run to do aviation fuel mm. it's either then got to be stored or you know things like that it's all the it's those little interlinked connections that seems to be the oh yeah it, it gets factors. really complicated mm. really quickly uh, I, i've been listening to uh, a norwegian uh, money podcast i guess you guys can call it and they talk a lot about the shipping industry mm. and just how wide branching that industry is not only because everything needs to go from one place to another they they're mostly talking about uh ships big loading ships sending things across the world and in that world there's like actual ships in the fleet there's the fuel going into it there's the container manufacturing it's the goods themselves it's people working on it and then on top of that you can even probably uh, include a bit of travel and airplanes for the people working on those ships that need to get from a to b quicker than the ship itself depending on contracts and all of that and food they bring on board and all of that so it's it's it escalates really quickly mm. and the ramifications are also immense like um if like the shipping industry collapses completely or goes to complete halt then suddenly the value of a single ship falls completely because it doesn't do any work yeah so sudden like the cruise ships had this happen where they would then just in t- take the old ships that were destined to be refurbished they would just send them to scraps because and way earlier than they were supposed to because they just looked at the numbers and said that it will cost us more to wait and not make money on this ship for three months than it would be to just send it off now and get some money back and sort of uh, lock in some actual liquidity and get some solid cash in the bank That's exactly it. It, it. It's the cash flow is the uh, the struggle. You know, you, you, you've always got rent and expenses and uh, you know staffing costs and all the rest of the stuff. So you you need to have that cash flow. I mean, it, there's um, all the stuff at the minute with uh, uh, is it Ever Given, the company in China. It might not be Ever Given, whatever it is. There's a, a massive real estate company in China that's that's basically had a, a this knock-on effect from stuff like the pandemic. That's hmm. basically meant that they the funds Evergreen? that they is, is that it called Evergreen could be yeah no. Evergreen no, might be the boat I can't remember but they're um, Evergrande that's the one yeah. I think it was ever something but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah they'd uh, they'd leveraged money to grow the business um, you know in, in borrowing funds to get houses produced and then sold because the housing market's so tight over there and things like that um, but then because of the pandemic and people not being able to buy houses or materials not being able to be produced so then the houses can't be built so then people can't buy them and then all of these debts are now being called back in and they don't have the cash flow to do it so it's this knock-on effect mm. of, of that kind of um, the way the economy's run of leveraging debt to grow a business on the promise of cash down the line to pay the debts when they, they, they need paying off it's, it's that kind of um, you know, world collapsing sort of financial market. Yeah, and it, it's 
the stock market and the whole friends market is way too big for any single person to understand mm. completely. It's, it doesn't take a lot to get like a vague grasp on how things interlock with each other, but it's definitely a, a quagmire of information. Yeah, big time. And if you are interested in the stock market, start with a company that you use a lot, that you trust in, like that you believe will keep doing well. Like if all of your products are Apple products, for you to invest in Apple is an easy step because you're already using and consuming their products. You sort of know what they're about. Mm. Whereas if you uh, like don't have a driver's license, investing in a, in a car company doesn't make any sense because you're not involved in how that company op- operates. So that's, that's a, like a really easy one. Uh, but sort of read to, to your point of the fear of losing everything, uh, the Norwegian air company, uh, the, the company named Norwegian mm-hmm. that runs a lot of airplanes. I believe five years ago, their stock was at 100 euro a piece. Mm-hmm. Today, it's at uh, half a euro. Wow. Now, that's one very specific example of a company that's been run to shit for half a decade. Um, the French one is exactly in the same position right now. Air France yeah. uh, mm-hmm. is asking money to the government uh, just to... to keep on running because mm. it's it's been a hit by the the pandemic and and the lockdown uh pretty bad but it's been it's it's a shit com- shitty company people working in air france are, are very uh, brave uh i think because they know that it's a shitty company um not doing a great job compared to uh, many companies across europe or across the world um plus they are not very well paid the conditions are horrible um, but they keep on, on, on working every day and dealing with customers um, every single day. It, it's been so badly managed over the past 50 years that that's, I'm, I'm really surprised that it's still on. But the government, it, it, that's the only French company, uh, air company that we have. So uh, maybe 30, maybe a little bit more than 30 years ago, there was a second one that completely crashed. So this one is the one that the government absolutely want to save, uh, injecting money all the time in it because that's the only solution that they have. But it it it's just not going well. So yeah, pretty much same situation. I just remembered something. That is. Do do you know what led to the whole of Louisiana being sold by France to the U.S.? Mm, I I I knew at some point. I don't recall it right now. The first ever complete collapse of the stock market. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So in France, you would have this... Basically, it was the same thing that happened in the 20s and 30s, uh-huh. where um, people who knew the economy, they were doing a lot of good investments. They were di- diverging. They were making a lot of money. They were sending all that money out into the economy, starting up a lot of business. We're talking... Uh, 1770s or something? Yeah. No, 1760s, 1750s maybe? Yeah, yeah. It was before the French Revolution and all that. Yeah. Uh, this was what led to this complete collapse of the French economy that then inspired all of the dissatisfaction that made the French Revolution happen. Oh, cool. I, I, it's, it's, it's because of the stock market. <laughs> the reason it, all of this happened is like all of the people who knew the economy, they were doing a lot of sort of not good they were dealing their money good they were sending it out there investing in new things those companies then suddenly made, made a lot of profit uh-huh. and the stock markets went up and 
this happened to such an extensive degree that everybody got into the stock market to various degrees. Mm. And then, of course, when everybody is investing yeah, in something, yeah. no, no, it, the, the, the price is artificially inflated. Mm. The, the, the thing you buy, the thing you're paying is worth more than the actual thing itself. Yeah. So in the end, it crashes. And then it collapses, of yeah. course, because it's a bubble. Yeah. And of course, all the people who started this chain of event uh, involuntarily, I believe, but all the ones who started it, they, of course, saw what was coming and mm -hmm. realized what was happening. Mm -hmm. So they pulled out of the market, which exaggerated, accelerated the crash, mm -hmm. which means that everyone of the common folk lost all of their life savings basically overnight. That's probably why my family told me to not invest in the crash, crash in the market, in the cash market, and the yeah, and and companies. then of course when Napoleon goes to war and all of that, and suddenly he spends what little reserves the, the French government have yeah. on the army, and then suddenly needs to keep paying the, the the war expenses, he sells off Louisiana, like the whole central U.S. off to the U.S. It's uh, what what was like just the states then. Nah, but Louisiana is too humid for us. So, but we should have kept the <laughs> middle part of the US. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you should have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. I, I, I believe also there was almost a con coin flip whether actually Spain would have bought it. Uh, but there was some oh, other things going on at the into Spanish uh, royalty and all of that at the time that made things difficult. Uh, so, so by all means, there is risk. There is risk to everything. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we saw that like in 2008 when like the financial crisis hit then it spurred on by a, um, a housing bubble the same thing like building too many houses they weren't suddenly not selling and then you had the ramification going backward of more and more companies asking for their money due and the mm -hmm. next company asking their next to get paid from there on and then suddenly as the last piece in line realized that I don't have any money and they just declare bankruptcy and then you have those ramifications going backwards and people just not getting their money due. Sort of very simplified. Yeah. So there, there's there's risk to it. Um, but I mean, uh, I think it took the economy, ooh, eight years, maybe 10 years to recover absolutely completely. No, it's not that long even. Uh, let me rephrase that. So in every instance where you had this massive crash, the economy has recovered within a decade. Mm. I think that's happened in every single case, from the, from the depression in the, in the 30s to uh, there was one bubble that burst in the 80s and you had the dot-com bubble and you had the 2008 bubble. Mm. All of that sort of recovered really quickly because if, if they didn't, then you wouldn't have time to make another bubble, so to speak. Only exception I've heard of is Japan that crashed in the 90s, early 90s, I think. And are still not fully recovered. Yeah, that's what they say. But that's also what they say about France. Uh, I, 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 I'm. I was born in 1976. So since I was a kid in the 80s, I've always uh, heard on TV, on radio, oh, it's the crisis now. It's the crisis, and it's still going on. Like 45 years later, it's still it's oh, it's a crisis, crisis somewhere. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> at some point, yeah. it doesn't make sense anymore. But yeah, on the strictly uh, economic point of view, in Japan, it's still going on, right? They have a, a debt <laughs> that is just uh, crazy. The amount, the amount of the national debt is uh, uh, several trillions of 
dollars. Uh, so basically, it's Japan, and, and they keep on on injecting money in Japan. Uh, like talking about the US uh, and other countries, because if they don't and Japan crashes, everything follows because mm. yeah. Japan holds so much money to the US and the US owes so much money to Japan that it's all interconnected. So basically, if it's it's like friends on on a tree branch, if the branch uh, <laughs> cracks, they all go down together. Yeah. So yeah. they are all that, supporting e- oh. each other. Um, there's so, so many uh, kind of like cultural shifts and things that are sort of trying to happen in Japan as well, where the, you, you know, kind of, it's a flexibility meeting the inflexibility. So it's it's mm. it's a rock and a hard place constantly. So there's this kind yeah. of uh, you know underlying current that's trying to trying to pull Japan one way while the the winds blow in the other. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's like not going to Japan. Japan is a risky business. It's been kind of unlucky since uh, forever. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, w- I was going to say 2011, but uh, yeah, it it's it's been a since very, the, since the Second World War at least yeah but you can way, way yeah way back you can go back way before that oh, yeah. because of the big uh, fire in in nineteen twenty three uh, and you can go back and go back and go back there is mm. always something happening over there that messes up the whole country the whole economy and the population so basically it's a I, I, I don't want to say it's a it's it's doomed or damned country because it's a wonderful place to go, uh, and people are so uh, again brave and 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 taking uh, one day at a time as we should be or should do. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a risky place. It's um, everything can go perfectly for many many years, and then it, something happened: a tsunami or earthquake, a power plant exploding. But they will recover. What what what's a very interesting and um, maybe the lesson um, to take away from all this economy-wise, or when it comes to natural uh, catastrophe over there or somewhere else, is that that people re- always recover and always rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Japan when the big uh, tsunami hit uh, in 2011, so I've 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 experienced it um, firsthand. Uh, everything um the the earthquake the tsunami the power plant uh most of the foreigners living there uh flying out of the country because of the radioactivity because it was dangerous and and i love that uh, all of that and we were uh, one of the few um once of the few to stay over there and to keep on working and 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 being with our friends and most of the people were like but why are you staying because everybody's going back to their country um so they were very surprised um the thing was that after a quick period of time short period of time of considering all the people that have died uh, all the people without a house and trying to uh, put temporary housing for them um and to take care of what was really urgent they were very quick to um tell everyone the country and the world we will stand up again we will recover we will mm. rebuild the country it was it was crazy uh, short amounts of time um and 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 sometimes like in the economy the stock market doesn't learn it, it's doing the same mistake all over again and again and again 
uh, as you said, whereas it recovers in, uh, within 10 years just to grow the same way and do the same mistake and, and crash again. Um, that's that's how it goes because that's the, the, the very nature of the stock market. Um, over there, when something happens, um, that's also the very nature of the country. So people are, are raised to stay optimistic, even in the worst days, in the worst condition. They will be, okay, we, it's hard now, we know it. Uh, we're gonna suffer, we're gonna, we're gonna um, take time to recover, and then we will rebuild and we will re rebuild better. Mm -hmm. um, so they learn from it, they, they will get stronger. You know, the I learned from my mistakes, so I get stronger and stronger. Some some mm -hmm. stuff do, some other don't. The stock market will never learn. They, it's all shit all over again. Well, I, I disagree with you there. I, th I think it, it's the, um, that tenacity of, of human nature is, we're very good at pattern spotting. And we, mm -hmm. you know, if we look at something like the stock market that um, does go through these these cycles of, of bubbles that burst, uh, yeah. the most recent one being sort of within the last twelve months, um, with like GameStop, for instance, which has been the, the big kind yeah. of one in the uh, uh, you know kind of in the public eye of these kind of tidal shifts of these huge you know whales they call them but they, these you know mm. massive uh these massive entities are huge huge sums of money that can switch how they're investing you know to um th there's money to be made from a failing economy so yeah. if they can see a bubble that's about to burst they they'll tend to switch their funds so that the the you know the massive the massive pots of cash will change from betting on a rise to betting on a fall. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And 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 what I mean by by they will never learn is that they are all doing the same thing. They they will grow again. They will fix the mm. market and and they will invest in a different way. What really bugs me with the stock market is that it can as you said shift on one thing from one day to the other. If Elon Musk tweets about a, a mm. quick currency mm -hmm. uh, it will explode on the next day and and people will get richer uh, so everybody's going to invest in it and and the next week you will uh, tweet on another one and so the previous one the first one will crash down and all people will switch I can't invest my money or risk my uh, the money that I don't have on someone famous tweeting about some shit I, yeah. I, oh, that, yeah. that's yeah. just not that, for me that's that's a bad deal. Uh, it definitely is. That being said, I've been really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. Uh, I, 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 but I've never had a lot of money, but I had a few hundred euros just around the GameStop thing happened, mm. and I managed to make a three hundred percent return of that investment. Mm -hmm. That's that's really good. I I did the same thing. When the pandemic hit, I had a couple of hundred euros and the whole crypto market crashed completely. Mm -hmm. I bought a little bit and I had a massive return of investment of that little bit, uh, which may, means that I actually now have a little bit of cash on hand. Still, it, 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 yeah, the percentage was immensely, but the money invested on the beginning wasn't a lot. So I don't mm -hmm. have a lot of money, but now I suddenly have a little bit that I can actually 
potentially use to buy something yeah. like a property with. See, the, for me, all of that is just like going to the casino. If I have is, yeah. five, if if yeah. I have two hundred bucks to invest in the stock market, I'd rather go to the casino, put everything on the red, wait twenty <laughs> seconds, mm. and I and I I will know if I won money or if I lost money. And except and I save time. Yeah. Well, yes. Except for the fact that that removes any chance of skill. Yeah. The roulette wheel is pure luck. Now the stock market is based upon individuals who know things. Yeah, but I don't, don't even, know them. Yeah, the, yeah. So, so, so let me explain my thinking <laughs> behind both of these things. So I I invested a little bit in uh, in GameStop, like a couple of hundred euros. Yeah. After the first immense spike, mm -hmm. because I saw that the movement was still going, and I thought that, hey, this is a good excuse to just get my foot into the stock market and start to learn how it behaves. Yeah. Then three weeks went by, nothing happened, and then suddenly it spiked a second time, mm -hmm. and it increased to more than what it was the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't expect that. I saw that this is a social movement against the hedge funds wanting to short stock to make money on failing companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I don't have much, but I want to learn about the stock market. This is a good excuse to get into it. And I was really, really lucky. But my reasoning was, I want to learn about the stock market. I have yeah. some money to invest in it. Yeah. And the movement here is still going. So I believe something will happen. And I don't think the GameStop itself will lose and no, get, get bankrupt. I, I totally yeah, understand right, yeah. the, the, the way you, you, yeah. oh, and, you're uh, thinking. Yeah, and this, the, just just to make this clear as, as yeah. well, there's two ways you make money off the stock market. One is buying low and selling high, mm -hmm. which, if you just sit on it, then you're just lucky, yeah. or you then you're following like the economy, or you're following a company that does well year over year. Yeah, uh, or you are day trading and hoping that this company will come up out with news next year that will change how it's valued, yeah. and you will buy and sell accordingly. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you will get. Uh, a, if a payout is it called that in English? Dividend. Dividend. So, when a company runs a profit, you as a stockholder you hold a share in the company, a certain mm -hmm. percentage. Mm -hmm. So the board of the company will say, in some cases they will, some cases they want, they will say that all of these profits or parts of it belong to the shareholders, everyone who has at least one stock in the company. Mm -hmm. In most cases, you're talking of less than one euro, less than one pound per share mm -hmm. but if you have a lot of shares in a company and you sit on that money year over year over year and the company starts continues to pay out the dividend mm -hmm. then you will make money long term yeah so there's two strategies to the stock market one is just buying and selling at, uh, at with the profit the other is trusting uh, buying into a company that makes a profit and that pay that profit back out to you that's one of the strategies for um growing savings like yeah. at the minute for you know the the average savings account over here in the UK you're looking about 0.5% interest but I've, which is next to nothing which yeah it, it's absolutely pointless no it's it's less than it, it, it it's less than inflation yeah yeah it is well, it, not currently because yeah. i think inflation is zero uh, still a little bit but yeah, inflation sorry. cost of living well, in the UK is about 5% at the minute i think um really yeah it's kind of big time um wow so the one of those um you know that where you get like the little free trading apps on online and stuff um the the one that i'm using allows you to do like a, a 
an investment pie, if you like. So you can get a collection of uh, of companies together uh, in a lump, and then you set an amount that you wish to spread between those companies. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Yeah. And you can do like a monthly. So, so you're making of- is your own sort of private small uh, stock fund. Essentially, just- yeah, like a yeah, like a, <laughs> your own personal hedge fund almost. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I've started doing uh, last month. Actually, is uh, I have five um, stocks that pay dividends monthly. So the a couple of them are, are retail company, oh, not retail, sorry, um, real estate companies in the states. Um, you know, one of them is like corporate real estate in New York. You know, they they rent businesses, r- rent buildings to businesses. Um, and they're they're quite renowned for paying monthly dividends, and it, you know it's not much, but the idea is that if if I use that as a savings account, so put some money that I would put into savings, if I put that into this investment pot, I will I'm, I'm guaranteed to get money back on those from the dividends every month. Mm-hmm. So that will grow at a faster rate than my savings account would with the same yes. monetary investment. Um, so that's that's one strategy that I'm doing now is is splitting the difference between some going into this investment part and some going into savings to kind of see the the, the difference in the growth. Uh, is it worth mentioning the whole interest of interest concept? Compound interest. Uh, compound interest. Yes. Uh, I please correct me if my numbers are a bit off, but the, uh, and I, I know they're off, but I think the gist of it is that if you from the age of 20 till 30 put away like 500 euros a month and that's it and then invested that in a hedge fund it the, uh, or it doesn't matter where you invested actually let's say you just put those money aside mm-hmm. you invested you let it sit no however the interest is it will accumulate over time so if you pay if you have a thousand euros one year and the interest is five percent you will have a thousand and fifty next year but then the year after that you are getting five percent of a thousand fifty so it stacks up top of itself really quickly mm-hmm. so if you do that just age 20 till 30 you will end up with more money at the age of 70 than if you paid 1500 euros or 2000 euros a month from the age of 40 till 60. It's something along those lines. Yeah, that that that's something I've heard also. If you put some money, like I don't remember the amount, but maybe five hundred uh, aside uh, from a very young age, you will end up being a millionaire by the the time you you retire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but that that's sort of in both in a perfect world where that money is accumulating more than the inflation of mm-hmm. living. Yeah. So that you actually, so like if, 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 to make it simple, if you have a hundred euros in a saving account and the cost of living for, say, a day is a hundred euros, mm. just to make the numbers ridiculous, but easy. Uh, but if you have an inflation of living that increases by 5%, like you have in the UK, and the ba- interest on the savings account is 1%, then the same money next year, you would have to pay. 105 euros to live for the same amount of time but you only have 102 or 101 yeah and and that's that's one of the arguments with things like um annual pay rises if yeah. if your annual pay rise is less than the cost of living increase and the inflation increase over the course of that year you, you haven't had a pay increase you've had a pay cut yep 
you know, and you it, have you've heard about the gilets jaunes uh, in France, the the yellow jacket movement. It's been no. going on for a long time since uh, before the pandemic. Uh, people yeah. are blocking the roads and complaining and striking and making demos and stuff. Uh, that's the reason. The the the, the inflation was mm. too high compared to the 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 pay that they had at the end of the month, and they were not able. And I include myself in it. Mm. Uh, not able to just pay for stuff uh, just for the the cost of living here. So when the government um, announced that they were raising again the prices of gas, uh, it it was the spark that mm. make it all begin, and and it well it's still going on right now because the government just doesn't listen and and prices are still going up, especially because of the pandemic. But the 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 pay the salary are are not rising at all. Mm. Uh, one very concrete example. Minimum wage in the U.S. As far as I heard, just now they have increased it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if you look up the graphs for it, the, the fixed amount was not accounted for uh, regarding inflation for a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. Meaning the people who was working minimum wage jobs, they got paid incrementally less and less for each year. Yeah. Having negative compound interest on their occupation, mm. on their job. And that, that's exactly the same thing when you want to buy a house, uh, especially in the US, because I've seen the numbers like last week. Uh, people are saying uh, to, to, to the people having uh, being 20 or 30 right now, why don't you buy your house? Because we did when we were your age. But yeah, but the prices of the houses back then were 300% less than it is now. Uh, so, so the, the the ratio between wages and and mortgage that you can uh, get for a house, to, you know, just to pay for your house, it has nothing to do now uh, compared to what it was uh, back in the days. My parents, same thing. Bought this house in 1952. Um, they were. Both of us, uh, both of them were a teacher uh, employed by the government. So let me just tell you that the pay was not high, uh, but they were able to afford the house for the same salary right now. I, I wouldn't be able to buy the same house, the, the same uh, size mm. of a house. It would be half of the size of this house in a mm. remote places, nothing to do where to to this one right now. So that's also probably one of the reasons that I'm not really interested in the stock market. I should be, I should be educated. I should uh, be interested in it. But um, knowing that the way it, it, it changes so fast compared to uh, the wages uh, in my country or the, the prices that people are willing to pay for the shit that I'm making, also, the fact that it can change from one day to the other because one guy decided to give dividends or to say, oh, man, I don't like this cryptocurrency or just because something happened in the world, a plane mm -hmm. crashed or a power plant exploded or there was an earthquake or a volcano erupted and it all went to shit. That, that's to me, is something so risky. Uh, and because of my education uh, in my family, because my grandfather was a coal miner, so he had to work his butt off and, and mm. kill himself doing it uh, just to bring f f back food on the table. Investing all that you have or even a small uh, amount of it in, in something as 
volatile, uh, yeah. if I may say so, than the stock market. Even if you know, even if you have the knowledge, if even if you are interested and 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 want to learn about a thing, which is totally fine by me, but that's not just who I am or why I I I I mean I understand that people do it, but it's probably too risky for me. It's also maybe something to do with with my current situation. I mean, Rasmus, you are young, you are not married, you don't have kids, mm -hmm. and and I am older than you. I have a wife, I have a kid, so investing the money. Um, in the stock market, even if I want to learn, in the end, as I said, it for me it's a little bit like gambling because something can happen very quickly and I can lose it all, uh, and I have the responsibility towards my family to do so. And you can spare a hundred bucks and learn about the old stock market, uh, even if you agree uh, from the very beginning. I will lose hundred euros, but mm -hmm. at the end of the deal, I will have learned something. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the the situation is also very very different. I I, I believe it, it's different, but not that different. Yeah, I, I would instead say, okay, then don't invest for your own sake. Invest for your kid. Yeah, no, you're right. I should totally. Uh, yeah, because like like uh, there's, I I didn't mean for all of this to become like a money cost. <laughs> uh, Too late. But, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but I I do enjoy the conversation because, uh, especially because it seems like. I know a little bit of something that you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's three ways I would say that you could do the stock market and one of them is risky. Mm -hmm. The other have minimum amount of risk. So like either you can invest in single companies mm -hmm. or like a few single companies and just hope that they will do really well and you yeah. will make money back on that. Uh, same same thing as gambling on a casino for me. Uh, close, yes. Well, depending the on the company, you, you depending need, on the research you do. You need mm. money that you... It's that whole thing of cash flow. You know, if, if you yeah. if you have money coming in that's going out just as fast, mm -hmm. then you don't really have money that you can invest. Certainly yeah. not short term, unless there is something that is kind of not so much a dead cert because there isn't such a thing as a dead cert in the stock market. But... Um, Say that again. Like a, something that you you know is a definite that is going to go up. There there isn't anything that is oh, definitely yeah. going to go yeah. up. Okay, dead certain. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if you have disposable income, if you if you have a pot of of savings or a pot of something that uh, money put aside for a, as a toy fund, or you know if you regularly spend a hundred bucks a month on a, a new tool to go back into the business. You know, if you find mm -hmm. you've had a slow month, but you've still got that money there, maybe put that aside to to try in the stock market. Or mm -hmm. a lot of the um, a lot of the stock market trading platforms now have a kind of a a virtual method, so you can you know you, you have a, a yeah like it, like like a playground yeah, exactly like, that you it's, don't, it's exactly it's mm -hmm. it's a game it's a that game. mimics the real market yeah okay so you you, you can have like a virtual 50 grand and mm -hmm. you can play with that fund to see how how screwed or how um well off you would then be you know but it, it's that kind of yeah. like glacial you've either got that, that kind of glacial movement of it, it being a one two three percent increase over the course of several years of investments um yeah. that you have to leave that money in there for or you yeah. might have something that you know like um the trump's platform that he you know the social media platform that 
you know, exploded day one at the point of launch, went to hundreds of percent higher than it should have been, uh, but then mm. crashed just as quickly. Yeah, t- time frame is a really big one here. Mm. Like if, uh, let, or let me com- complete the sentence or the thought I had earlier. Like you can invest in single companies and I'm, I'm thinking long-term now, at least 10 years ahead. Mm-hmm. And if you also say, if you think automatically 10 years ahead and you're taking into consideration that within any 10 year time frame, all of the bubbles that previously happened, the economy recovered. Mm-hmm. In other words, at worst case, you invest right before a bubble, and in ten years you're back at zero, mm. yeah. and then things will go up again. So that that's in theory the worst case scenario. But uh, one bit is then just investing in single companies or a couple single companies. Another is to, like Jamie did, and creating his own little fund where he is just putting a certain amount into a pot and that is un- automatically diversified into a set of different companies, mm-hmm. preferably across a set of different sectors mm-hmm. so that not one single company will bring down his entire portfolio. Mm-hmm. Portfolio being the collection of companies you're collect- uh, invested in. The third and probably safest option is to invest in a hedge fund. And yeah, the hedge fund term is really, really nasty now, especially in the wake of the GameStop thing and a lot of people betting on companies failing to make their own money. Yeah. Mm. Which seems really bad to me. In addition, there's a lot of companies who still are selling the environment short to make more money, selling people short to make more money. Mm-hmm. So there have been more and more hedge funds popping up that are society conscious, they are green, they are solely investing in companies that are ethically. Mm-hmm. And you can choose basically yourself what that ethical thing is. There's even hedge funds that specialized in brown or black markets. Not like shadow things, but oil, tobacco, alcohol, gambling, those companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you only consider you want to earn as much money as possible, then those companies are, th- th- those funds are specialized for that. Yeah, it's, it's commodities uh, and physical assets, isn't it? It's things yeah, that and, people and you, buy. Yeah, and you have specialized, you have like fishery funds, you have... Mm. Uh, transportation funds, you have gaming funds now, you have technology funds, you have like almost no matter the sector and how big or small that is, there is a fund specializing in it. And as soon as you're diversifying across a lot of companies like these funds do, they will, some of them will invest in like the top 500 on the stock market, Mm -hmm. all of them. Others will invest in 10, 20, others will invest in a hundred. So you can, you can, do a lot of simple research, but the easiest is just to talk to your bank. Start there. We, we probably they, should actually caveat this to say that you know this, this isn't financial advice, and we're not financial advisors. Oh no, I'm not at all. <laughs> well, just, just for mean, anyone if, listening if, who decides to take if our you advice, you consider and... to take advice from three idiots on the internet yeah. <laughs> with no actual yeah, you education. Have to in lose your money. More so you. Just, you just, just send me your investment money now, and that's I'll yeah. give you a return. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go to the casino place, yeah. everything on the red, and, and hope for the best. Well, it, it's funny you, you mentioned the whole th- thing with gambling, because um, I, an old friend of a friend was telling me, or, or an old friend was telling me of a friend of theirs who uh, kind of retired early. They, they had enough money in their kind of their savings pot uh, to basically mm-hmm. bugger off and move to Portugal. And uh, they worked out they needed £50 a day to 
continue their lifestyle as uh, you mm-hmm. know the standard that it was at. So what they did is every morning they would open their laptop up and they would place enough money on the first horse race of the day. Mm-hmm. Enough money, they would just bet on the favourite, enough cash to, to win back their their bet plus 50, mm-hmm. £50. Yeah. yeah. And if that didn't come in, they would then bet enough money on the second race on the favourite to cover their first investment or their first bet Mm. And their second bet and the fifty quid. Yeah. And they they basically they had enough money in their pot um to go sort of five races deep over the course mm-hmm. of a day. Mm-hmm. And they'd been doing that when when I was told about it, they'd been doing that for several years. And had never needed to go past kind of three or four races. Because they, at okay. some point in that run, uh three or four races in, the the favourite would have won. And he just you know that enough. you you can't do that in a casino, right? Well, exactly. If you go to, if you do, yeah. go go to the casino and do that, place a first bet, then double it if you lose, and st- keep doubling it if you lose till you win. Someone of the casino will notice you and kick you out because that's that's in forbidden. Yeah, that yeah. that you can't yeah. do that. So, and of yeah. course, it's foolproof up until the point you run out of money. Yeah. Yeah. Also. That's the trick. Don't run out of money. Or, yeah, or use never. somebody else's. Yeah, also that. Even better, even better. <laughs> uh, but like the long and short of it, we don't know what we're talking about. Oh, totally. But it's... Like usual. Yes, but I would caveat that by saying having invested in the stock market will probably make you more money in the long run than only having a savings account. Yeah, potentially. There is always that caveat. But I, I think we're, yes. we're at that point in that Dunning-Kruger curve um, where we're... Is it the Dunning-Kruger? Yeah, Dunning-Kruger. Yeah, yeah with, the, with the curve for learning Ignorance stuff. and experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, I think we're, we're just at that point now where we know enough to know we don't know anything. Yeah. And we should stop here and go to the focus of the week. Yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> yours, Raz? Start this week. Uh, I have been reading a book, oh. or multiple books. Which one? Which uh, ones? The Naturalist by Andrew Main. Okay. Mm. And this is, I would dare to say, it's a very sci- science-heavy thriller murder mystery book. Mm-hmm. You have uh, sort of the stereotypical aloof professor who doesn't interact well with people. <laughs> who constantly socially shoots himself in the foot when interacting with people. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And who is basically the only one who realized that there's a serial killer on the loose. And who, with his background in biology and data simulations and systems, is trying to catch this guy and figure out who it is and what's going on. Okay. Working against, like, the regular police corps because he is, of course, constantly socially putting himself in situations where he looks like the suspect okay oh sounds interesting uh, yeah I, I really really like it because uh it's very clear that uh, the author like has this same deep uh, fascination for just learning things and fun facts as i have so like you would often come into paragraphs of basically flashbacks where but where the character explains something that he then uses to advance the story and get more clues 
Very yeah. cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I believe there's audiobooks of nearly all of his books, Andrew Mains. What's uh, the title I've, again? This is The Naturalist, and it's Naturalist. the first series. I finished The Naturalist a couple of days ago, and mm -hmm. I start on the second book in the series, and I'm really enjoying that one as well. Okay. This is the Theo Cray series. I think he has... This is like a guy who will publish three, four books a year. Wow. And he started writing seriously like six years ago or something. Some guy. And he's just cranking them out. And wow. it's so far really, really good stuff. Uh, but yeah, he has a couple of different... He's going a lot into the thriller genre, but he has a lot of different main character series. Uh, Theo Cray is the one I'm following now with Naturalist. And... Looking Glass is the one I'm listening to currently. So, way, way far away from everything else we've been talking about and other pop culture things. But it's, if you like books, if you like thrillers and are a bit nerdy, I think you'll like this one. Cool. What about you, Jamie? Well, I mean, I, I didn't have anything prepared because I didn't even consider that as a, as a thing. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that I've listened to you guys today already. But, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump straight on the back of Rasmus's one there by uh, shouting out the. So we're not allowed to reference these guys, are we? And it's not it's not an attention yeah. grabber, so it's because that's my one from from my podcast. So, um, Rob Grant, uh, the one of the writers of uh, Red Dwarf, the TV show. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, he wrote a book called Incompetence uh, a number of years oh. ago. Which I, I read about yeah. ten years ago. Um, and that description of your book, Raz, just uh, reminded me of that, which um, incompetence is uh, kind of set in a futuristic world where society has reached a point where you can't be discriminated against um, in your ability to do the job. So if, you know, if someone posts a job for a brain surgeon and you decide, oh, screw it, I want to try that, and nobody else applies, they can't deny you the job based on your ability to do it. So they will just let you become a brain oh. surgeon because you're the only applicant and you want to do the job. So it's... I see problems. Oh, well, this is exactly it. So in this in this <laughs> sort of... Uh, uh, in this fictional world where um, anyone can be anything they want to be, of course, nothing works. Um, and the entire book is uh, a story surrounding... Um, uh, a detective trying to solve a murder. Um, you know, th there's a point where he's looking at a building and uh, you know, th there's a problem high up. So he goes to get into the elevator and it's, it's got like 26 floors on the, or 26 buttons on the elevator. And he noticed there was only 13 floors on the building, you know, because whoever installed the elevator had just picked one at random and hadn't done it properly. And it's things like that. So, you know, he's on a train at some point and it just goes plowing through this empty station because of course it would, because the train drivers, you know, originally a furniture maker, but decided he wants to drive a train, you know, and things like that. It's, it's a, a very, Sounds very, fun. very fun book to read because it's, it just kind of highlights how shocking things could be. Okay, cool. What was the, what was the name of it? It's again? called Incompetence by Rob Grant. Incompetence. Good. And I'll get that uh, in the list. I, I had some as a proper, like, doubled over belly laughs while reading the book. Cool. How about you, Red? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, The Fat Man, or 
it's called Fat Man. Uh, it's uh, it's a movie. It's on Amazon Prime, uh, and it's my new uh, Christmas uh, movie uh, because it's it it is a Christmas movie. Uh, Mel Gibson movie. It's uh, with Mel Gibson, absolutely. Um, so I know that people gave him a lot of shit uh, for good reasons uh, in the past, um, but he's absolutely brilliant in in this movie. Uh, it's basically one rich uh, and spoiled kid that decides to hire a hitman to kill Santa because he received <laughs> he received call uh, instead of gifts. So really? yeah, um, and Mel Gibson is playing uh, Santa, uh, and and it's a brilliant movie. It it it's it's uh, it's not the the Santa as we can see it in commercial and he's not wearing red and with it's it's not all of that it's it's very realistic uh, i mean if if santa was living on earth that that's how he would be living you have to see the movie but it's it's a great and fun movie for for christmas holidays so yeah fat man uh on okay. prime uh pretty good i i watched it yesterday i really enjoyed it so yeah nice. that's that's my nice. focus of the week yeah please do so, uh, that, that that makes me think that we should have like worst and best of crispy movies in an episode. <laughs> yeah, because there's a Finnish one that's horribly good. Okay, which is, what's the title of it? Rare Export. Okay, it's also about someone accidentally killing Santa, oh. I think, or trapping Santa. Okay, I think that's I I I need to double check how the phrasing of it is before I say too much, but okay. something like that. <laughs> Sounds cool. Thanks, Jimmy, for joining us. Oh, thank today. you for uh, inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, pleasure was us. And I really hope that Jan is enjoying uh, his holidays and, mm. and roasting in the sun, drinking a cocktail with umbrellas on top of it. Did you say roasting or rusting? Both. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Jimmy, uh, especially on short notice and all that. Anytime, guys. Yeah. Now fuck off. Okay. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.